Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 21st in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, my fellow Americans. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Hope you had a delightful Father's Day. Father's Day weekend, incredible for me. Just a wonderful break from uh, hard work and uh, just a chance to spend time with God, family, and country. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that is. Thanks for being alongside for the ride. A quick announcement, which we'll announce several times through the broadcast. As you know, there's going to be a big event tonight. Um, the uh, Tonight, let me just get my ducks in a row for this. They say this, we've decided to go big for the Arise USA Tour. Come join us for an unforgettable evening. That's tonight. They're on a nationwide tour. 86 stops, 114 days. It's live now. Yeah. They're going to resurrect, resurrect faith, family, and freedom. Constitutional counties across the country is the focus. Event is today. 4 o'clock p.m. at Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah. Let me say that again. 4 o'clock p.m. at Liberty Hall. We're hosting an event. It's a meet and greet with guest speakers then 6 p.m they're going to the smith family park that's right and it's going to be uh i guess that's just north of liberty hall and just west uh, of smith and edwards the huge country store there and um it's going to be huge folks there's going to be speakers uh the bus wrapped uh, cspoa bus will be there and more Sam Bushman, Richard Mack, Rick Dalton, many others will be there. Kathy Smith hosting the event. Thank her for that. You want to learn more? LovingLiberty.net is the place to go. That's LovingLiberty.net. I'll be there. Hope you are as well. Trump said in a statement through his Save America PAC that the corporate media has admitted he was right about everything they lied about before the election. Sadly, that's partially true. Scientist Alina Chan said, hey, Uh, We dismissed the leaked lab theory because Trump was for it. It was scary to be associated with Trump, she says. Well, that sounds very scientific, doesn't it? Their credibility is in crisis, ladies and gentlemen, is the truth. Absolute crisis, right? What a sad tale to tell. All right, uh, on Saturday's broadcast, we had a guest with us for two hours, Liberty Liberty Roundtable Live special guest. His name is Steve Castle. He's an elected official right now. 
on the Stevenson County, Illinois Republican Central Committee. And uh, stevecastle.com is his website, belovedchurchillinois.com. He's a well-known pastor doing a great job. And uh, Steve says, my personal ministry sends out pocket constitutions for free to anybody who requests them. Steve attended the January 6th Capitol events. I'm calling it the Capitol meltdown, riveting personal testimony from a live eyewitness. The FBI came to his door. We all wonder why. He didn't go into the Capitol. He didn't cause any trouble. He wasn't violent. None of those things. But they still came to his door, questioned him down for 45 minutes. Eventually, Steve got an attorney and said, don't even contact me. Talk to my attorney. They've never bothered him again. But Steve asks the wise question, who is John Galt? Relating to the Atlas Shrugged book, but we really have to ask this question. Who is Ray Epps? Ray Epps seems to be a provocateur. Some kind of government under cover agent of some kind who is this guy who is ray epps how is he involved the government's getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar fbi literally planning and plotting the january 6th event against a sitting president of the united states and against half the citizens in america i'm in an insane proposition but we're learning more about it every day all right we also on the second hour had our guest steve castle interview continued because it was so good first pastor in the nation to file a federal lawsuit on First Amendment violations during the lockdowns. He filed them for the church and for Christians everywhere. He beat Governor Pritzker of Illinois into submission. He opened up all churches in Illinois, ladies and gentlemen, with this lawsuit, which he won with the Thomas More Center. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here's what Steve is calling this. Ready? We call it divine providence. We call it divine intervention. Thanks be to almighty God. Wow, what a great guy. What a leader. Anyway, I thought I'd bring that to your attention. Okay, that's a recap of the broadcast that took place on Saturday. And it's still available now at libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word, would you please? So I'm going to say it again. We've decided to go big. Tonight, Kathy Smith is hosting at Liberty Hall at 4 p.m. and at Smith Family Park at 6 p.m. the Arise USA bus tour. The CSPUA rap bus will be there. It's going to be incredible, ladies and gentlemen. It's a meet and greet at Liberty Hall. The bookstore will be open and a whole lot more than we go over to the park for a lineup of speakers. And um, the Arise USA tour will be happening. You can see the CSPUA rap bus and the whole bit. Hopefully, you'll be there. Lowell Nelson, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Oh, thanks for having me, Sam. Good to be with you. How was Father's Day weekend, sir? <laughs> well, it was awesome. We went to a family reunion over in Wyoming. They're uh, in the Grays River area. Beautiful uh, countryside. I mean, um, mountain land, uh, trees everywhere, forest, uh, blue, clear mountain lakes. Uh, trout in them, uh, lots of fun in the sun and in the water, even the cold mountain lakes, uh, there was still a lot of fun. And I saw a, a, a young moose, a female moose, uh, had had kind of a race with me on the road. That was a lot of fun. I came up on it. As Brian, close, Regan, as Brian Regan, the comedian, would call them, they're moosing, my friend. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's this dark spot on the left-hand side of the road I noticed as, as I slowed way down coming up on it, thinking it was was going to be a bear, but it turned out to be a young female moose. And uh, as I got closer to it, maybe, I don't know, 25 yards away, it started running on the left-hand barrel pit side of the road, and I was on the right. And so I it loped along like that uh, for uh, probably 50, 75 yards before turning left up the mountain. What a beautiful animal, Sam. What a beautiful Amen to that. God's creations are incredible. <laughs> now, they you didn't so turn awkward, left up the mountain, so too, did you? No, no. I stayed straight on that highway. But, man, right, it good. was so fun, so beautiful to, to just uh, ride along with it for roughly, you know, a football field length. And then it turned up the mountain. But what a majestic animal. This is God's green earth. What a beautiful place to live. All right, ladies and gentlemen, are you going to be at the Rise USA Tour tonight, Lowell? Well, I'm thinking about it, Sam. I have another commitment. Uh, i got to, 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 to jockey a little bit. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, I'd love to be there. I think it's a great event, and I encourage everybody, you know, who's able to, to get there to be there. sounds like a lot of, uh, of good fun, and also a lot of educational information will be provided there. Lots of great speakers. Amen to that. I'm going to be going to it. Um, hopefully you can make it as well. Call me if you want to carpool or communicate in any way on it, but man would love okay. to see you there, my friend. Um, this event really, in my opinion, is big, and it's big primarily because of, because of what it symbolizes, ladies and gentlemen. It symbolizes an effort to promote constitutional counties across the country and resurrect faith, family, and freedom. Um, it's huge, folks. I'm just telling you right now uh, because of what they're trying to accomplish. And I support it a thousand uh, percent. And I know you do, too, as well, Lowell. All right. Let's talk about a reminder for another event. Speaking of events coming up and so many things to do, so many places to be, so little time. Reminder, Saturday, July 31st. That's the last Saturday in July. It's the last day of the month. Utah Campaign for Liberty has got a training seminar going on. Lowell. In Sandy, Utah, there at the Salt Lake Community College um, in the heart of the Salt Lake Valley, the school is going to go from 9 in the morning until 5 in the afternoon. Lunch is included. And uh, you can uh, uh, go to just, just, just Google for, uh, you know, uh, training school, Sandy, Utah, and it'll probably come right up. Basically, it's a, it's a, you, you register at the website and then uh, you attend the school. Now, normally, Sam, you're going to pay hundreds of dollars for this kind of training, even even a thousand dollars for a full day of this kind of training. But the Utah Campaign for Liberty, we are making this available to you at very reasonable price, basically at cost. Almost anyone can attend and so but particularly if you register at the early bird price this month, the cost is just forty bucks. So uh, like I said, that includes lunch. We're gonna learn some important political lessons, like the real nature of politics. And uh, the biggest lie in politics, how to pick good political fights, how to hold your politicians accountable. Uh, so that's what we got on tap uh, again, July 31st, Saturday this year, Sam. It's going to be great. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson, Sam Bushman on your radio. My brother and two other boys were the ones that got in the car with her. And she was drunk, 
The road that goes to her house is like really windy and she was taking that road at 80 to 100 miles per hour and it hit into the road barriers. Her door flung open. She ran out across the street to get away from it and the other three boys were trapped in it and the car exploded. And then when my mom found out about it, she called me at work. I don't care what you have to do, just get up here to the hospital. I parked my car and I went inside. They took us back to this little room. My mom told me that Jay had been killed. And I, I lost it. The other people were like, well, you can drink, but just be careful when you drink, you know? So I don't want anything to do with it because it took my brother away from me. A public service message from The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions. We're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services. I was shocked. So to since this. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay. Abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They right. are the largest single abortion provider in our country. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio, RonPaulInstitute.org as well. We're talking about this incredible Saturday, June, or I'm sorry, July 31st event. That's Saturday, July 31st, the last Saturday in July 2021. The Utah Campaign for Liberty organization is sponsoring a political leadership school at the Salt Lake City, Utah, Community College in Sandy, Utah, 9 in the morning till 5 in the evening, lunch is included, and I put the link in the uh, show notes so y'all can sign up there as well. Um, really important stuff they're working on, folks, because this is where the rubber meets the road. It's a lot of good to talk, to educate. It's another to get involved and make a difference, Lowell. Great point, Sam, and this isn't just here in Utah. These schools are being held all over the country, and so... Um, you can, uh, again, you can search for it. Uh, I mean, for example, there's one in Casper, Wyoming on the July 17th. So for anybody near, near Casper, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, you know, that, that school is open, but literally all over the country. And so when you, when you do a search, uh, make sure it's a FACL school. F-A-C-L, Foxtrot Alpha Charlie Lima. Uh, it stands for the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, and if, if that's the school being held near you, then please do all you can to, to sign up for it and, and attend it. You'll learn things there that that uh, will amaze you. Uh, ways to, to make your political leaders, you know, do uh, make them accountable for 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 what they do. Uh, it's it's a fantastic training, well worth your time, uh, and and at a very low reasonable cost. Sam. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, what I like about this 
It is not just people complaining about problems. It's people saying, look, we see an issue. We see a problem. We see a, we have a concern. And we want to address that concern in a productive, solutions-oriented way. Hey, the people don't know how to get involved in some of these things. Let's help them learn what they need to be doing. You know what? A lot of people care. More people care than they want you to believe. They love an apathetic uh, population. But you know what? More people care than we can possibly imagine. The problem is people don't know where to start. People don't know who to associate with. People don't know. Man, you know, I'm hearing all these crazy things. I don't want to be involved in the crazy things, but I do want to make a difference. Right. How do people kind of navigate that whole thing? And this really, in my opinion, puts the rubber to the road when it comes to, you know what? These people have been tried and true forever. The leader of the organization is Ron Paul, who has been uh, a legislature um, or a legislator uh, in the nation's capital for what, over 20 years. OK. And he's now teaching people how he was able to remain constitutional through his whole stint as a public servant. And now he leads this organization, uh, and there's many, many, many people that have elected positions that are all involved in this training across the country. It is incredible, not just for Utah, but for everyone. So it's a reminder, Saturday, July 31st, the last Saturday in July 2021, Utah Campaign for Liberty is uh, sponsoring a leadership school in Sandy, 9 to 5, but lunch is free. Anyway, I don't want to go on about it forever because we'll cover it over the next couple of weeks before it happens, but I'm telling you, it's riveting and critical so two critical events on tap one today one july 31st all right america's soup brain president says the u.s never interferes in other countries elections caitlin johnson with the incredible piece i mean this is just eye-popping of how bogus and dishonest it is lol yeah i i couldn't believe he said what he said uh so let me say and uh, let me just tell you what he said <laughs> In three sentences here, he said this, quote, let's get this straight. How would it be if the United States were viewed by the rest of the world as interfering with the elections directly of other countries and everybody knew it? What would it be like if we engaged in activities that he, meaning Putin, is engaged in? It diminishes the standing of a country that is desperately trying to make sure it maintains its standing as a major world power, end of quote. So he said this, yeah, I mean, with a serious face. <laughs> I watched it on YouTube last night. And with a serious face, he said this, folks. He, 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 he tried to, to make it sound as though United States has never done anything like that, when in reality, the U.S. regime has been doing this for 70 years, Sam. We have been meddling in the elections of other countries directly for the over 70 years and 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 he stands up there and and makes it sound like uh, you know that, that we don't do it it's just a it just uh, <laughs> caitlin johnson who wrote the piece uh, she said she said the fact that the entire press corps did not erupt in side splitting laughter at this ridiculous utterance is in itself proof that the Western news media is pure propaganda. <laughs> That's what she wrote in her piece. As you know, Sam, and as our listeners well know, the U.S. has directly interfered in dozens of foreign elections since the end of World War II. Um, I mean, and, and uh, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah, let's, let's look at uh, just several of those. Um, I, I'll just read the countries uh, that we've been in, in, 
involved in regime change. It'll take too long for me to read the year with the country. But, of course, Iran in 1953 is perhaps one of the most famous regime change operations. Here are others, Guatemala, uh, Costa Rica, Syria, Egypt, Indonesia, British Guyana, Iraq in, in 63, North Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Ecuador, Congo, France, Brazil, Dominican Republic in 1963, Cuba, uh, Bolivia, Indonesia, Ghana, Chile, Greece, Costa Rica, Bolivia, Australia, Angola, Zaire, Portugal, Jamaica, Chad, Grenada, and that was 1983, I'm skipping a few, uh, Fiji, Nicaragua, Panama, Bulgaria, Albania, Iraq in 1991, Afghanistan in the 1980s, Somalia, uh, and the list goes on and on, Sam, and this is so commonly known. I mean, your listeners here at Liberty Roundtable probably know this like the back of their hand. But for the President of the United States to, to tacitly claim that the U.S. regime is not involved in regime change around the world, you know, when they don't like somebody, then they, 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 they make direct efforts to, to oust that, that, uh, that leader. And of course, they turned well, their guns on Well, this is what's interesting about this one too. Right now, they basically created a regime change in America, uh, and now they're about uh-huh. to get caught uh, on that. A lot of states are now starting to open up and say, "I guess there was some vote fraud." More and more states are starting to look into this. More and more municipalities, the issue is getting hotter. And so, this is an attempt to say, not only did we not do it in America, but we don't even do it worldwide. Uh, just heightening the lie. And the more they dig in and try to lie, the more we expose them as fraudulent. The president built a bridge too far on this one because now we can bring up where it's, it, this is beyond document documented. This is beyond mm-hmm. debatable to the point where the president, I mean, they used to do these kind of Pinocchio things where if the president or somebody big lies like that, then they'll get these Pinocchios. This is like at a thousand, you know, 999 Pinocchios on this one because even everybody knows it. It's easy as pie to document. Uh, strangely, though, the uh, mainstream press kind of gives them a pass and doesn't even question it or bring much up about it, even though they know uh, differently. Yeah, that's what's weird. You know, they, they, uh, but, but that tells you a lot about the, the mainstream press. I mean, if, if a journalist asks a tough question of a president, you know, in a, in a press briefing or whatever, I guess they have those, those White House press briefings all the time. But if you, if you go ask a tough question, Sam, you, you've been, you've been involved in that kind of, uh, work. I mean, you're a journalist. What happens to you if you ask a, a really embarrassing or tough question of the president? Well, what's going to well, there's a lot of way to explain it. Let me let me use this example, Lowell, and I hate to just kind of steal the mm-hmm. stage from your, your point, but I really want to tell a personal uh, story. <clears throat> I remember one time yeah. uh, I had done my show for several years, and I went to the National Association of Broadcasters event, and I met a lot of large radio networks. And there was a guy there by the name of Tom Starr. He's passed away now. Uh, and he was with uh, Talk America Radio Networks, which was a big network. They had hosts on three, 400 stations at the time. And he looked at me and he said, Sam, you know what? I love your show. I, I want to syndicate your show. I can make you a rock star tomorrow. He said, but the only problem is, Sam, you got to quit talking about God. You know, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it and everything. You do great. But, dude, the, come on. A lot of Americans aren't Christian. A lot of people don't believe in your, you know, you're a Mormon. It just makes it worse. You, and you got to, and I said, Tom, I'm not doing it. If God's out, then I'm out. I just can't do it. Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just too core to who I am as a person, too core to the focus of the radio program, which I believe is without God, we cannot succeed. 
Okay, we must turn to God. Now, I get the differences in theology or theologian or theology, I guess is the way to say it. I get that and I respect that. And I don't have to dig into the keys to theology enough to, to divide us. But like the founding fathers and Ben Franklin said, do you expect the nation to rise without his aid? Do you expect the nation to return to the principles that made America great without his aid? So I just said, Tom, you know what? If that's out, I'm out. I can't do it. And he said, OK, well, you let me know when you change your mind. And I said, it isn't going to happen, but I appreciate it. When we come back, I'll finish the story uh, because Chuck Harder then uh, started talking about he's, he was with a program called We the People. He's no longer alive either. I hope that's not an omen for me. But anyway, um, I, I digress except to say he talked about the Velvet Hammer. That'll finish my story in seconds with Lowell Nelson. Your daily Liberty Newswire. The audio to me is pretty low. I'll be right back. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. American Airlines announced Sunday that it's cutting some 950 flights from its schedule to reduce the stress of its operations. The airline noted in an email statement that it's facing an incredibly quick ramp-up of customer demand. The National Transportation Safety Board announced Sunday it's investigating a fiery multi-vehicle crash Saturday on Alabama's Interstate 65 that killed 10 people, including 9 children, as storms swept through the southeast. The crash south of Montgomery, Alabama, occurred amid a tropical depression that triggered flash floods, spawned tornadoes, and raised dozens of homes. The New Zealand Olympic Committee has announced that Laurel Hubbard has been selected for the women's weightlifting team for the Tokyo Games. That will make her the first openly transgender athlete to compete in the event. BMX writer Chelsea Wolfe will become the first openly trans athlete with Team USA when she arrives in Tokyo as a reserve rider. This is USA Radio News. If you're tired of the old cable news, you now have a choice. It's Newsmax TV. More than 40 million Americans are tuning in, making Newsmax the fastest-growing cable news channel in America. Every minute, every day, Newsmax gives you the real news you can trust with top analysts, hosts, and guests like Ben Carson, Mike Huckabee, Alan Dershowitz, Dick Morris, Nancy Brinker, Mike Reagan, Rudy Giuliani, and so many more. It's easy to watch. Find Newsmax on all major cable systems or Get Newsmax free on streaming platforms like Roku, Zumo, Pluto, YouTube, and most smart TVs like Samsung Plus and LG. Remember, Newsmax is different than most cable news networks. You can get it for free on your smartphone. So download the Newsmax app and start watching right now. Join the Newsmax revolution and get us everywhere. Online at Newsmax.com, on your cable channel, your smart TV, and your smartphone. Because when news breaks, you need a trusted source. It's Newsmax. Colorado is putting more gun control legislation on law-abiding citizens. Jeremy Scott from the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau reports. Three gun control bills were signed into law by Colorado Governor Jared Polis over the weekend, including one that allows cities and municipalities in the state to set their own gun regulations, as long as they are no more lenient than Colorado state law. A second bill requires the state to carry out public awareness campaigns to, quote, educate the general public about firearms. And the governor also signed a third measure that prohibits gun dealers from transferring firearms to another individual who has not undergone a successful background check or has been convicted of several specified misdemeanor offenses. Healthier communities depend on the safety of firearms and reducing the threat and impact of gun violence. On all of us. The flurry of legislative action in Colorado comes after 10 people were shot and killed at a supermarket in Boulder in March. And a week later, another mass shooting left six people dead in Colorado Springs. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. 
promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking with Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, about an incredible column written by Caitlin Johnstone about the president literally lying through his teeth or he's so ignorant he doesn't have a clue, don't know which, doesn't matter. America's soup brain president says the U.S. never interferes in other countries' elections. Now, folks, it's so documented that we interfere all the time in other elections that it's beyond debate, without a doubt. Uh, Anyway, we are talking about uh, what happens if you're a journalist and you decide to take on, uh, I don't know what you call it, but literally the political no-nos. You don't ever challenge power like that if you say, hey, this is bogus. So none of the journalists spoke up when uh, Joe Biden spun this incredible lie and were shocked in a way. But we're not shocked at all. We know how it works. We're just shocked because uh, usually there's one or two that are kind of foolish enough to challenge it, and then they get fired over it and stuff like that. But in this case, they all know better. They lose access to the president. Uh, they literally have all kinds of uh, issues, and their job usually at stake, etc. But I was highlighting, I, I learned about this principle called the Velvet Hammer very uh, appropriately by Chuck Harder former host of For the People radio program. Chuck Harder and Jerry Hughes were my mentors in radio uh, back in the day. But Chuck Harder, you know, what is the Velvet Hammer? The Velvet Hammer is what they do, uh, Lowell, is they politely bring you in for kind of a chat. And uh, I realized that Tom Starr had kind of Velvet Hammered me right from the start. It was kind of like, if you accept the Velvet Hammer now, Sam, you'll accept it going forward, which is, you know, you're such an incredible um well, you're just incredible, uh, Lowell. Whenever you come on the air, we need to start a show for you, my friend, because you're so good. Uh, you bring irrelevant information. To, and so I, I butter you up on one side and really praise you and tell you how incredible you are. In fact, you could probably be brought on to do your own show, probably given a raise, Lowell, and everything. I mean, that's in the cards for you because it's just going so well. I mean, our salesmen would have an easy time, uh, you know, getting some sponsors for your show. And, uh, you know, and then the Velvet Hammer comes. But, you know, we don't talk about god we don't talk about the irs or whatever they say we don't talk about big pharma you know what we've got a lot of big pharma sponsors it's just not helpful lol you understand right <laughs> it's a devious, and so i got uh, velvet and hammered by tom Starr, and that's really what goes on and so chuck harder documented it how he got drummed out of msnbc and some of the places that he worked for and then glenn beck many years later after i told my story Glenn Beck came back and said Fox did the same thing to him. Quit talking about God, and so he walked over it. So this is well documented mm-hmm. as well, but it's nicknamed the Velvet Hammer, sir. So that's my answer. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate knowing that story, Sam. It's uh, so true. Um, and uh, because the Western uh, journalists uh, nowadays, you know, they exist simply to funnel propaganda into the minds of the public. That's, that's their job. That's their role, I guess, in our society nowadays. And the way Caitlin Johnston ends her article, basically, is she says real journalists go to Belmarsh Prison for exposing U.S. war crimes there, speaking of Julian Assange, for example. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's where you go, I guess, you know, if, if you talk uh, truth to power. But uh, fortunately, you know, you're still, on the, you're still on the air, you're still alive. And uh, there are a lot of people like you, Sam, and like Liberty Roundtable, lots of uh, programs like... Liberty Roundtable, and thank thank our heavenly 
thank heavens for for this program and for others like it, Sam, for you and other people, courageous people like you who continue to talk about the truth of the of, of things uh, on radio, whether it's internet radio, terrestrial radio, wherever and whenever. Uh, you know, people can always depend on you for for the truth, Sam. Well, thank you, sir. We do our very best to be truth-telling talkers, that's for sure. Jacob G. Hornberger with another hit-it-out-of-the-park article, in my opinion. End the draft permanently, uh, Jacob says. Now, we agree on one hand. We disagree a little bit on the other. We'll get into that. But incredible article. Uh, this on the heels of the Supreme Court saying we're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pull about women uh, being drafted uh, as well. So kind of status quo for now, uh, the Supreme Court chicken to touch it, not that it was their purvy or purview in the first place, uh, but it's interesting how they back away and say we're not going to really touch it at all. Right, Lowell? <laughs> That's right. The, the occasion for their decision was uh, a challenge to the all-male draft. You know, the plaintiffs uh, brought a case and argued that excluding women from the draft was unconstitutional. Well, the, the Supreme Court decided not to touch that and basically said, we'll let uh, Congress decide the issue. Now, um, their decision not to touch that is probably something with which I agree. Um, yeah, it's they, the they, correct they just, decision. I'm just shocked that they decide they're not mm-hmm. going to touch that. They usually meddle in all kinds of things they have no authority to be meddling in in the first place is the only reason for the, the surprise. Uh, you would think that they would meddle in anything they're not supposed to and never touch things they're supposed to. But in this case, they got it right. It's just strange is why I highlight it. But I agree. It's not there. Uh, there's no authority. There's nothing on the table at the federal level uh, for the draft in the first place. That's right. And then Hornberger makes two suggestions. Uh, first, abolish the draft and the draft registration. And then, and I Amen. agree with that one. But, but then he makes a second suggestion. <laughs> which is a bit comical. I don't know why he made this. He should know better. But he said, let's amend the Constitution to forever prohibit the draft. In other words, make it illegal, constitutionally illegal forevermore. But what he doesn't realize, Sam, it's already illegal. If, it doesn't, if it's not spelled out in the Constitution, then the states didn't give that power or that authority to the general government. Therefore, they don't have the authority to uh, execute a draft. So that's you know, I, I I can't believe he made that suggestion, but he did. Yeah, and what it, what I, it reminds I, you know, me of, Lowell, what it reminds mm-hmm. me of is the balanced budget amendment. Okay, the states yeah. are already required <laughs> to balance their budget. The federal government has no money in and of itself. The only money it should even have is the money to carry out its proper role and nothing more. And so we already have a balanced budget if we don't just start sucking from the federal government. All I'm telling you is then you create an amendment to to balance the budget, and then they play games to get around it. You create an amendment. Well, let's have another amendment to defend the second amendment, shall we? Um, see what I mean? I mean, where do we go with this kind of stuff is the logic. And the answer is not more government, folks. That's the bottom line. So I'm surprised that Jacob would propose more government meddling per se to solve the problem. Yeah, and it, particularly if by writing it into the Constitution, then you're giving the general government power to legislate regarding that matter. So it's, it's just backwards. I, I just disagree. But anyway, uh, he, every basic, uh, he, he, he writes here, every 18-year-old male is required on pain of felony conviction to register for the draft. Why? Because in the event of some major foreign war, make no mistake about it, the Pentagon will not hesitate to restore the draft because it will need soldiers to fight, kill, and die 
young men and also most likely young women will begin receiving draft notices ordering them to report to military facilities for training and service, quote-unquote, to their country, right? So, I mean, that's and, – and with, you know, Biden trying to gin up a war with the military establishment, trying to gin up war everywhere, you don't know where this is going to go. It may happen. The draft may come back. So – I don't know. It, it's pretty scary, Sam. I have a question for you, though. Did you register for the draft when you turned 18? You know, I don't remember because I'm a totally blind person, so I think that I didn't have to, but I understood, and it was the mm. time, and I think it was in place uh, when I did turn 18. I know you were saying it was not. You don't think when you were there. I, you know, It's hard yeah. to know when that mandatory started, right? Yeah, because I don't remember it, I, and so, but, but apparently that's the law now, Sam, and it's good for us to know what the laws are, you know, so because otherwise we commit three felonies a day, they say. But um, it, there's no difference between slavery and conscription. And one of the great things that Hornberger does in his article here, which you can find uh, at um, ronpaulinstitute.org, is that he makes reference to a speech given by Daniel Webster in the U.S. House of Representatives in December of 1814, when the House was considering a bill to further the conflict with, uh, for the conquest of Canada. <laughs> this is a piece of history I didn't know existed, Sam, until <laughs> I was uh, reading through this uh, yesterday, preparing for this morning. Well, apparently the U.S. was, was uh, involved in the conquest of Canada in uh, the early 1800s, and uh, Daniel Webster spoke up against conscription uh, there in the U.S. House. And I find this very poignant, you know, some of the things he said. Um, By the way, let me just stop you for a second, Lola. Let me just stop you and tell you that it was 1973 that things changed because there was, after Mm -hmm. World War II, uh, kind of a draft in place or whatever, not just sign up, but you still have to register for the draft. That changed, I think, in 1973. Okay, good to know, Sam. Sam, thank you. And and I'm going to ask my uh, uh, representative, John Curtis, why he hasn't introduced a bill to eliminate the registration for the draft. I mean, I think that's a fair question. Why do we still have to register for the draft? If the draft is inimical to freedom. I mean, they're opposites. You, have, you can have freedom or you can have a draft. They're basically slavery. That's what a draft, that's what conscription is, is slavery. And that's the point. Amen. And Jacob brings up an incredible point about we should abolish the draft. When we come back, I'll make another point about this. Soak and Lowell finish up the commentary on this one. But we need to jettison the draft sign-up folks immediately, not make women part of it. I'll tell you that right now. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. 
That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job. We're talking about End the Draft Permanently, an incredible article by Jacob G. Hornberger, which we really applaud. We need to end the draft immediately. The forced slavery is unacceptable. Why do we all have to sign up for a, quote, I don't know what you want to say. We're agreeing that we're on the list to be forced into war. Is that what we're saying? Ladies and gentlemen, let me make one point about this, then I'll turn it straight over to Lowell, which is this. You know, the founding fathers put war in the hands of the many on purpose. In other words, the House of Representatives, 435 people. And the goal was to say those 435 people are the closest to we the people and the broadest group to decide to go to war. They're the ones that hold the purse strings for budgeting and funding. They're the ones that can say yay or nay based on the plan to go to war. Do we have a plan to accomplish something to protect on a defensive measure, the American people? Do we have a plan to get in, get it done, get out? Or will it be a, an eternal war? And the goal was to bring it to the most amount of people to determine if it was a just cause or a just war. If it was, fine, let's get in, let's get it done, let's get out. But let's put everybody accountable for it. On the record. Okay, that's been circumvented in America is the problem. And my final response to this would be, if there is a just war, and it is communicated to the American people transparently and openly, and the American people have their representatives vote and say, let's go to war, or vote to go to war against the people's will and risk being removed from office. See all these checks and balances in place, ladies and gentlemen? Anyway, my point is, if the people really decide to go to war, uh, then you know what? When you get the majority of the people involved in something, it's usually just and right. And, 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 and you put this accountability to the nation, to the people, to their representatives this way. The system works great. But my point is you don't need to sign somebody up for a forced draft in that case because if the people will it to go to war, then people will voluntarily go sign up. People will voluntarily say, I need to serve my country. Good men have said to their wives and to their girlfriends and to their children, you know what, I'm so sorry, I love you. I don't want to go because I don't like war, but I must go. It is my duty. I, don't, I can't preserve my honor if I don't go. You hear that from military men through the ages, 
for a reason. So if the war is a just war, we won't have a problem getting the people to defend their home, their wives, their children, the sacred cause of America, our faith, family, and freedom. You won't have a problem getting defense from that. But whenever a war is unjust, dishonest, the lack of transparency, funded and fueled by the military-industrial complex, or some kind of dishonest narrative, then you've got to force people to go. Because they can see through it and call a halt to the con game. This is critical to know. Vietnam proves the point perfectly to a great degree. Uh, anyway, there you have it, Lowell. Your thoughts. You're absolutely right, Sam. You're basically saying you cannot preserve freedom by coercing people to fight for freedom. It's just, it's just opposite. It's inimical to freedom to force people to fight for freedom. I mean, it's just plain silly. Um, and, and I like the, this, the way Daniel Webster talks about it in his 1814 speech. Um, he says, the people of this country have not established for themselves such a fabric of despotism. He talks about, uh, you know, it's not being written into the Constitution. The states didn't give the general authority that power. And, and uh, I'm skipping uh, half of this because I want to get to the, the heart of his quote. He says, sir, for the defense of his own house and home, uh, um, then it's, it's justified. But the battles which he is to fight in this case are battles of invasion. If, sir, in this strife he fall, if, while ready to obey every rightful command of government, he is forced from home against right, not to contend for the defense of his country, but to prosecute a miserable and detestable project of invasion, and in that strife he fall, tis murder. It may stalk above the cognizance of human law, but in the sight of heaven it is murder. And though millions of years may roll away, while his ashes and yours lie mingled together in the earth, the day will yet come when his spirit and the spirits of his children must be met at the bar of omnipotent justice. So may God, in his compassion, shield me from any participation in the enormity of this guilt. End of quote. Talk about a powerful speech, Sam. I mean, these gentlemen back in the, in the 1700s, the 1800s, they connected their acts in public service with a conscience of uh, obedience to God. And they knew that they would be held accountable for every public act by a just God. And so here you've got Daniel Webster saying, no way are we going to uh, go invade Canada, because if we kill any, any soul in this effort, which is it's not a just war, basically, was what he's saying, a conquest of another country. And the reason I bring this up, Sam, is because we're involved in so many conquests of so many other countries without a declaration of war. None of them are just wars, and yet we send our young people off to war, and it's murder, Sam. These people who are making the decisions to send our young people off to war to fight these foreign conquests, it is murder, and they will be held accountable by heaven. Sam? And it is murder on both sides, my friend. Well, and it's murder of the people uh, whose land we conquer, right? I mean, you talk about the hundreds of thousands of Iraqis who fell That's what I'm saying. In, it's murder on both Iraq. sides. When we attack them for yeah. whatever purposes, and then they fight back in a way they're fighting back to defend their homelands is just on their uh, uh -huh. side. What would you do if you were invaded? But at the same time, it really creates murder and mayhem on both sides because 
neither side's just. I mean, we shouldn't be there, so they shouldn't need to fight back. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And I want to be very clear, the ones that fight the wars oftentimes are not responsible. They're not the armchair quarterbacks. They're not the leaders and the decision makers. I'm not here to criticize anybody who has served their country to the best of their ability. What we're talking about is the leadership putting us in these no-win, unjust wars is immoral and needs to stop. Therefore, Jacob Hornberger, absolutely right. End the draft permanently. And I submit once again, if you have a just war transparently laid out before the people you will not have problems with americans standing up for their wives their children their sacred honor trust you me but when it's not a just war you got a force the record has been replete with historical realities on this uh, since cain killed abel ladies and gentlemen let's be very clear indeed all right moving to another piece before the end of the hour with lowell nelson just full of great hard-hitting topics to discuss A look at COVID-19, school guidelines, how they're affecting our children. Layla Centrier, how do you say her last name? Centier? Centner. 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 All right, there you have it. Layla Centner doing a great job. What, she uh, is involved in uh, education, private sector in Florida? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Has her own school down there, Sam, in Miami, Florida. Uh, About 300 children attend her school. And not once uh, during this past 18 months of, of lockdown have they, um, you know, followed the CDC guidelines for masking and physical distancing, the plexiglass separation, all of that stuff. None of that stuff did she do at her school, Sam. Truly a great example. of, And, and, and I'm hearing more and more there are many other examples, but I just wanted to call this one out. And, and tell people, you know, I, I, I don't know, you might think this is old news now because we're not masking up here in Utah, but there are probably some states that are still, you know, being forced to mat, wear masks and to physical distance and stuff, right? Sam, aren't there still some states that are they're hogtied that way? Uh, without a doubt, yes, there's some states that are hogtied that way. And even our state uh, is some degree hogtied. Things aren't perfect. Uh, there's a lot of manipulation of, of all kinds of requirements and mandates and things like that that are happening. Uh, we better I'll give you an example. All the way across the country right now, the narrative is being pushed. You know, Walmart has a sign-up that says, if you're vaccinated, then you can, um, you know, come on in without a mask. But if you're not vaccinated, wear a mask. It is the honor system. So the problem with that narrative is if I have to go buy groceries uh, and I don't want to wear a mask, I either got to put on a mask by force if you're going to appeal to my honor, to my honesty, or I got to not go into the store. Well, the problem with that is, Mm -hmm. you know what? I don't want to wear a mask and I don't want to go into the store. But in order to go into the store, I must affirm one or the other, either vaccination by my honor or by my honesty or wear a mask. Um, You know, how do you rectify that? Because they're literally putting you on record now. I don't know if they'll eventually start arresting people and say, you know, you've claimed you've been um, vaccinated because we've seen you go into Walmart 50 times, uh, but we don't see a vaccination card for you on file. We've documented this. The cameras have recorded every time you've rolled into Walmart and maskless lying to the state. And, and you know, will this come back to bite us? We're being turned into criminals by the very nature. Can I not go buy food? You know, can I find a store that allows me to be free? Can I, what, what are my choices now? And they're literally documenting by cameras, by the private sector, uh, my honesty. And then th- that can be dr- brought up and say, look, Sam, you're just a flat-out criminal. 
You've gone into Walmart a thousand times over the last eight years saying that you are vaccinated, and we all know you're not, Sam. And, and so what gives here? What's going to happen? So I bring this up because whether we're talking about specifically school and the nuances there or life in general, the point Layla is making really resonates for every one of us worldwide, but especially in America, Lowell. Absolutely right. You know, it, she, her policy at her school, she wrote this to him uh, the, earlier this year, said it is our policy to the extent possible not to employ anyone who has taken the experimental COVID-19 injection until further information about it is known. And so basically none of her staff, teachers, have, have, have taken the injection, uh, nor did they require masking and physical distancing um, during you know the past 18 months. And so basically they don't want people who have taken the jab to be shedding on, on other people you know, at the school. And not a single person at her, 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 uh, at her school, you know, came down with COVID, right? And so basically she mimicked what she saw happening in Sweden. And uh, the way they targeted, they, they actually protected their older people, but allowed everybody else to continue life, basically, continue to live life. That's what they, she did at her school right there in Miami, Florida. No ill effects, Sam. And so, you know, that's a great example. I just wanted a good news story to sort of end the hour on. But one other aspect from this article I want to point out is that when you've got people, and when you've got children in school in masks and sitting behind plexiglass and not being able to interact with their buddies during lunch, not able to talk to each other, have to physically distance from one another, what you're creating in the minds of the children is anxiety. And, you know, and, and so the, the fight or flight thing kicks in. She actually had a, a, a doctor, a pediatrician, talk about this, that in fight or flight mode, you don't think, you simply act. You, and so what does that say for schools around the country that put children in a fight or flight mode and then expect them to think? There's no way. They can't do it. You're asking the impossible of a human being to, to, to uh, put them in fight-or-flight mode and then expect them to think in school. One if last say, point on this fight-or-flight mode that people are in when you say it teaches people not to think but to act, yes. And what it really does is it breaks down the normal trust that we have for other human beings and it replaces that with mistrust. Fight-or-flight is in a lack-of-trust scenario. You don't go into fight-and-flight mode with trust on your mind or faith or hope yeah. on your mind. Okay, beware of that. Lol, thank you. Hour one in the can, two coming up. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. God save the Republic of the United States. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it was refused to use. No doubt continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 21st. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is hour two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's so important to understand the supreme law of the land. I mean, our founding fathers gave everything for it. 
We need to preserve their legacy and stand with it. I know everybody wants to come up with a new mousetrap, a new better way, a new system, a new idea, a new whatever. But you know what? Nothing will replace returning to the principles that made America great in the first place. It's got a 200-plus-year track record, ladies and gentlemen. Do not, please do not throw that away. It's so critical that we don't jettison or blame our problems on the Constitution, that we realize the Constitution is the solution. We need to first turn to God, live our lives as self-governing individuals based on God's laws, and then we need to use the supreme law of the land to demand government to be on notice to say, listen, we're giving you limited authority, but I say it's limited and I mean it's limited, and we'll use the checks and balances to ensure that you know it's limited, and if you don't respect the limited nature of your service then you're out on your ear and we'll find somebody else who will the checks and balances are brilliant ladies and gentlemen and one of the great restoration restorative solutions we have at our fingertips never forget that reality it is about god family and country it is about the protection of life liberty and property and with that dr scott bradley is with us his goal and collegiate series to match to preserve the nation his website freedomsrisingsun.com hope you had a fantastic father's day Sir, much and the same to you. Uh, uh, a couple of things before we move ahead too quickly. You probably got an agenda you'd like to cover through here, but let me just—you mentioned a couple of things really quickly. One's the mouse trap, and the other one is how great the Constitution is. First of all, let me remind all of your listeners. And I'm sure everybody has this circled on their calendar right now, but today, June 21st, in 1788. The United States reached the threshold needful to ratify the United States Constitution. They had originally, remember, they had been called together in May of 1787 to revise the existing Constitution. That means amended, if you'll look that up in the dictionary. And you'll find that what they did in 1787 was set aside the existing Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, and they wrote a whole new Constitution over that hot summer, signed it in September of 1787. Now, here's an interesting little tidbit for those of you that are interested in rewriting the Constitution, but they think it's all safe because three-quarters of the states are going to have to ratify it, and nobody would ever make a mistake on that like they did on the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, the 18th Amendment. You know, three-quarters of the states can really blow it. Anyway, what they did was they revised, meaning they threw it out and wrote a new one, and then they changed the ratification process. So they needed nine states instead of all 13 of them, which is what the Articles of Confederation had required. And so on this date in 1788, they reached their ninth state. So New Hampshire ratified the new United States Constitution, became the ninth state in, um, Ju on June 21st, 1788, and thereby embraced as a nation the United States Constitution. Now, it's also interesting that um, in November of that same year, 1788, there was a big movement to uh, basically revise that revision. And the only way to do that was an Article 5 convention. And, and James Madison very, very arduously argued against that because he said that it was high risk. I could quote his letter at, at length that, that in which he makes his case. But at any rate, today is the anniversary of the Constitution being ratified. And then you made the comment about what? What is everybody trying to do? Make a new mousetrap? What's going on here? You know, we gotta, we got to use a little bit more common sense than that. 
And, um, and of course, that is exactly what, well, I'll just read you a little statement by George Washington. He said, if in the opinion of the people, the distribution or modification of the constitutional powers be in any particular wrong, he said wrong, he didn't say you didn't like it, you didn't need it, you didn't want it, whatever, but if it's wrong, let it be corrected by an amendment in the way which the Constitution designates. But let there be no change by usurpation, for though this in one instance may be the instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. So here we, if we just, by guess and by golly, make a change, you know, it becomes, oh, I think this is a good idea. And that's an interesting, and I, and I don't want to, <laughs> again, take away too much from your program, Sam, but this is important. We have today those that believe the Constitution isn't, you know, that little pamphlet that I'm holding in my hands. It's thousands of pages long because of court cases that have modified it effectively by court cases. That violates Article 5. That is not a defined constitutional method by which we may change the Constitution. But people make the excuse, oh, we need a, we need a convention because look how thick it is now. And they hold up a book that's thousands of pages long, all annotated to all of the court cases and all that kind of stuff that's happened. And they say, this is our Constitution. No. This little pamphlet I'm holding in my hands is the Constitution, and it is what it says it is, and there is no way to and constitutionally... Hold on. And it is it. still the supreme law of the land, sir. There is no question about that. However, there are those, mostly that have the court uh, revisionist viewpoint, but there's all sorts of historians and everybody that have adopted it now, politicians and everything, that say you can modify it by court decision. Now, if that were the case... If we rewrote the entire Constitution and we started all over again and it was a clean slate and that was brand new and it was only 30 pages long, blah, 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 blah. If we did all of that, why could it not be modified, beginning instantly, by other court cases? It is not a constitutional way to change the Constitution. So we have what we have. we got to go back to Article 6, actually, which requires all to take an oath to it. Okay, All who hold office are to take an oath to it. And in so doing, they say, we're going to keep our actions within those bounds. So, and, and your lead-in sentences, you gave me a bunch of stuff to jabber about. The anniversary of the ratification. I'm pretty good at Constitution. that, sir. Well, yeah, you, you restore the pot. But <laughs> Washington's point is, don't change it by usurpation. And that's what almost every instance, every breath those that are at the head of the government are doing is attempting to change it. And, and Washington warned so fervently against that. We could use a lot more quotations. That one is probably brief enough to be able to make the point. But, uh, yeah, I hope you had a happy Father's Day and, also, and as did everyone. And, Dr. Bradley, <laughs> it's instructive to understand, too, whenever we've changed the Constitution, meaning by, you know, the 16th Amendment, 17th Amendment, 14th Amendment, the ones that you pointed to, and or by ignoring certain constitutional uh, guidelines and provisions, mandates, if you will, that only the states use uh, gold and silver for the payment or discharge of their debts, etc. Whenever we have violated the tenets of the Constitution, I would say the mandates, the directives, um, we have paid dearly for it every single time. And so that's instructive no historically to, re to understand as well. Every time. Well, you find a time when we've literally strayed from the fidelity to the supreme law, then we have paid dearly. 
And so that's what I say to those critics of the Constitution. You tell me when we've obeyed it completely and carried it out with fidelity that we've had problems. Then you tell me when we've strayed from it and when we've had problems. And the record is clear, doctor. Well, there, there is no question um, uh, that, that that is the case. And, and, and we can take uh, some things that are currently on the table right this very instant. Uh, one of which, of course, is the effort of the uh, general government. Uh, people call it the federal government, the national government. We could, we could have that discussion. We've mentioned it a number of times. I generally call the government, that most people call the, the national government or the, or the federal government, the general government, because that's how the founding fathers referred to it, because it was neither national or federal all the way. There were segments of both. It was kind of a mixed form. But at any rate... This, this is the, the unique constitutional republic that the grand old experiment our founders talked about. We have elements of a it, lot of things. But the indeed. biggest thing is we look towards God and this blend of checks and balances everywhere in the system is the key if we insist on it, doctor. Well, it is. And, and what's happening today is a, in every instance, as you point out, what, what are they doing that's right? You know, and what kind of disasters have come out of this? And, and even today, well, if you, if you know, want to know the truth, <laughs> the intention of the Founding Fathers was that the states were to run the election processes. It was closest to them. It was not delegated to the national government, general government, federal government, whatever you want to call it. It was not delegated to them. It was held by the states. And that was their intention from the beginning. Now, I can explain Article 1, Section 4 away, if people, I mean, not away, but it helps people to understand what that's about, why people misinterpret that. But what's happening right now at the general government level is that there's a complete movement to usurp all power in elections, which would canonize what happened in the uh, November 2020 election, and it would make certain that the elections may be stolen by those that seek to do so by And let's the be very clear. Government. These are people that have sworn an oath to the supreme law of the land to defend it as is, not swear to undermine slash change slash modify it. Okay, this is a serious oath of office crisis uh, we're facing right now. So ladies and gentlemen, New Hampshire ratifies. They became the ninth state and ratified the U.S. Constitution today in history, June 21st, 1788. What a blessed day that was. An example set by the New Hampshire colony state. Ah, there you go. Dr. Bradley with me. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable live. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store. 
just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. What a blessed day that was, June 21st, 1788, when New Hampshire became the ninth state or the ninth, what, colony uh, to virtually no, become a state. The time. Yeah, yeah. There so states. there you have it. Uh, I say there were states at the time, though. Uh, there were. Um, but it's debatable. If you didn't join the Constitution, are you a state? Are you a colony? What are you? Uh, between the Articles of uh, Confederation, uh, uh, we left King George. Uh, we uh, are in the middle of the Constitution. Some have joined, some have not. You know, it's, it's debatable what you would call those scenarios. Are they states? Are they countries? What, what kind of reference do they have? And the reason that I highlight that, Dr. Bradley, is people need to understand that by our consent are we governed. But that's not an individual discussion. Sam Bushman can't just say, well, I reject that, buddy. There, I, I'm not doing that. Okay, This is a, a, a decision uh, that has been made that uh, all of us subscribe to. Uh, or we, we have the choice to, I guess, choose to leave. But th- this is critical to kind of understand that before all these alliances and associations, um, individuals have freedom before God. And that was proven when they rejected King George. And I highlight that a little bit for a reason, Dr. Bradley. All right, we'll try to get Dr. Bradley back. No, no, uh, no, no. I'm back here. I thought, I thought that perhaps. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me just let me just talk yeah, a for, couple of two or three. I highlight that for a reason. That. Go ahead, sir. Okay, well, first of all, yes, they defined themselves as states under the Articles of Confederation. It was, uh, it was put forth to the states on the, uh, uh, in November of 1777. It was not ratified until 1781 after they had nearly lost the war uh, under them, but they did de- denominate themselves as states. But the fact of the matter is, as you probably are inferring, that they, they had an independence that was that that caused a pulling of different ways throughout the war, and that's why they nearly lost their their war. And and when the uh, 
the people today that are seeking to bring about a convention, a very, very high percentage of their proposed amendments that they would try to change our current Constitution with are a throwback under the Articles of Confederation, which we know was a failure formula because we nearly lost the nation back in the 1780s under that. But but the fact of the matter is, the um, uh, let me just spend, spend just a moment or two about what happened, and then we'll talk about the, the uh, consent of the governed. Uh, today, as I mentioned, is the 233rd anniversary of, of the uh, Ninth State ratifying it. They really, really, really needed Virginia and New York to be in, though. They had a critical mass of, of population and uh, economics and uh, kind of gravitas, if you will. They were, they were leaders. Um, and, but the thing is that that they were very close on the ratification too. Virginia came in the end of June, uh, June sixth, uh, excuse me, June twenty sixth, and New York came in the twenty sixth of July. Where, where, in for example, in New York, if two people in the convention had changed their vote, the convention uh, would have declined to join with the Constitution. North Carolina stayed out until after the nation had been on its feet and inaugurated of George Washington. They came in in November of 89, and, and Rhode Island, after they started to treat Rhode Island more or less like a foreign power, came in in, in May of, of uh, 1790. But the, that's kind of, you know, even though we were ratified in, in, on June 21st, they really wanted Virginia and New York in, and they came in with about a, within about a month. So you talk about the consent of the governed, though. You know, if Before you we the get to the consent of the governed, let's be clear, though. So if you're a state by the Articles of Confederation, you are not a state by the Constitution or some other document until you join. That's correct, and Rhode right. Island was not coming in, and they and so they were treated as a foreign power until May of seventeen. That's my whole point. So you got to understand the relevancy of the situation that I'm discussing. I understand the term state versus whatever, but until they signed on, and this is what we kind of need to understand that yes, we have consent of the governed opportunities, and it is by our consent. It is not by individual consent. Most things in America are individualistic despite what the socialists teach you. But it, when it comes to government representation, it is not an individual decision person by person, or else the system cannot stand, doctor. Well, what happened in um, uh, 1776 was that they, they brought forth the magnificent promise, if you will. And, and again, it was based upon... Um, uh, Westphalian Treaty of 1648, where if if a state became an individual nation, there was no foreign or, or supranational interference that could happen. They were truly sovereign, as equal among equals among all nations. Okay, but but uh, if you go back to that declaration, it's a magnificent document. It would be wonderful to review it sometime, but. You, you all remember the words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, they are endowed by their creator with certain enable rights. Okay, so the creator gets mentioned one, uh, twice in, in one sentence and mentions a few of those rights. It says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So that's the purpose of government, is to secure our God-given rights. Then the next sentence says, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, the consent of the governed is obtained on this ratification process we've been talking about. Actually, what happened was the at the end, you know, middle of September, 17th, uh, 17th of September, 1787, the, when the guys of the convention signed the document, 
they forwarded it to Congress and said, here's what we put forth. We recommend that you send it out to the states and let conventions there ratify it. Okay, then that was done. And that's the process that we talk about resulted in the ninth state uh, uh, joining the Union, if you will, on this date in 1788. Well, so th that consent of the governed was obtained. They said, okay, we will, we will be governed by these people under these conditions. They required everybody to hold off that holds office to keep their actions within the bounds established by the United States Constitution. So you, the, the, when we hold an election, we are electing trusted representatives. They're supposed to be trusted. They're not anymore in my mind, generally. But we are electing trusted representatives that are to operate within the limits and bounds established by our consent for them to operate under. The legislature has certain powers, executive has certain powers, judicial has certain powers, but there are no usurpations. The general government is a creature of the contract, the contract being the United States Constitution. They were created by it. They have no other source of anything. If they do anything different, they're, they're in violation, they're usurp usurping the power, and their actions are null and void. So our consent was given as we ratified this. We do not give consent for them to do willy-nilly whatever they darn well please, uh, usurp as Washington calls it. Uh, they, they cannot do that. They have a responsibility, a duty before God, and, and an oath, if you look what one of the founding fathers, Noah Webster, said about it, an oath imprecates. That means it invites, encourages the vengeance of God upon them if they violate it. Okay, now, I fear oftentimes that this nation has largely violated its oath before God for a lot of things. But And so sooner or later, maybe we'll get a comeuppance. But the fact of the matter is that our consent is given by ratification. That consent may be may be withdrawn. It's the right of the people to alter or abolish their government. And that was saved in Article 5 of the Constitution when the founders said, okay, if we're wrong, if you know, again, wrong, if there's something that needs to be modified, it has to go through that. You can alter or abolish it freely and by peaceably means. Okay, so But what's happening is plain usurpation now. What is happening is they're pushing us towards a a revolution, if you will. Now, let's talk about nullification for just a second, and, and then we could talk about secession in a minute if you want. But, but nullification is a process by which the makers of the contract, the states, can say to the general government, you have overstepped your bounds. We are withdrawing your ability to do something like that, and we are calling you out on it. Okay, so that's called state nullification. And, and you know, Utah did it recently against federal law. They, they allowed medical marijuana. Or it's not marijuana, it's cannabis, but we can discuss that again later sometime too. But the fact is federal law, if you will, says, nope, you cannot, you cannot have cannabis for any reason whatsoever. It's all this uh, high, oh, danger, danger. Well, Rogers, anyway, for those of you that remember that. But Utah did, but they didn't call it nullification. They just did. And so That's right. They this, don't want to this... highlight what it is because then we, the people, as they get educated, will insist we do more and more and more of that when we want to roll back the federal government. And very few politicians have the guts when they know they're on the federal government dole. I use that separate from the general government because the general government doesn't put people on the dole if it's constitutional. Ladies and gentlemen, incredible anniversary today. 
New Hampshire Ninth State ratifies U.S. Constitution June 21st, 1788. We need to ask ourselves this question all the time. We should always ask ourselves, is this authorized by the Constitution? Dr. Scott Bradley in seconds. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Police said Sunday they believe a driver unintentionally hit spectators at a weekend pride parade in Wilton Manors, Florida, resulting in the death of one man and leaving another person hospitalized. Tropical Storm Claudette was downgraded to a tropical depression after battering the southeast over the weekend. Heavy rains, high winds, and flash flooding contributed to the deaths of 13 people in Alabama Saturday. Residents in southern Georgia, northern Florida, and the Carolinas should prepare for torrential rain and flooding and possibly tornadoes into Monday midday. Juneteenth celebrations over the weekend in Oakland, California, Aurora, Colorado, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Clover, South Carolina, and Flint, Michigan were interrupted by shootings and homicides. A Uganda Olympic team member has tested positive for COVID-19 upon arrival in Japan late Saturday. Japan's government has faced criticism for vowing to host the Tokyo Olympics. USA Radio News. Hi, this is Wayne Allen Root from my great friends at Freedom Fest. Have you ever been to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota? Well, here's your opportunity. This July 21st through 24th, thousands of liberty lovers are headed to South Dakota for the greatest libertarian show on earth, Freedom Fest. This time held at the Rushmore Civic Center in Rapid City, South Dakota, with a record-setting crowd. Here's your chance to make new friends and meet the country's top political and business leaders, authors, and filmmakers in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Some of the star speakers this year, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, Dr. Drew, Larry Elder, U.S. Senator Mike Lee, U.S. Senator Cynthia Loomis, the CEO of Whole Foods, John Mackey, Steve Moore, John Fun, Grover Norquist, Tom Woods, and the infamous pandemic mock trial. Go to FreedomFest.com. Use promo code WAR50 to get $50 off the registration fee. That's FreedomFest.com with promo code WAR50. Fly there, drive there, bike there, RV there, be there. Freedom Fest in South Dakota. Get your tickets now at FreedomFest.com. As inflation is beginning to grip America's economy, the massively expensive infrastructure bill proposal by President Biden won't be supported by most lawmakers. But a less expensive bill is in the works. Jeremy Scott from the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau has more. A bipartisan group of nearly two dozen senators have pitched a much smaller proposal than the Biden administration's $4 trillion infrastructure plan, which invests in roads, bridges, and other projects. But that's not good enough, says Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. One of the concerns that I do have about the bipartisan bill is how they are going to pay uh, for their proposals. And, and they're not clear yet. I don't know that they even know yet. Senator Sanders drew a line in the sand on NBC's Meet the Press. Some of the speculation is raising a gas tax, which I don't support, a fee on electric vehicles, privatization of infrastructure. Those are proposals that I would not support. Democrats are seeking to include climate change mitigation and new investments in areas like child care in their proposal. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says Democrats can still get an infrastructure bill without Republican support. USA Radio News. All right, live and on your radio, Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Mondays and Fridays on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. The good doctor doing a great job. His lifelong goal and collegiate series to match to preserve the nation. Amen to that. FreedomsRisingSun.com, his website. Check that out, would you please? Ladies and gentlemen, there's an event tonight to promote the Constitution. 
to promote constitutional counties across the country, promoting faith, family, and freedom. It's today, it'll be 4 o'clock at Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah, a meet and greet with the speakers, and then 6 p.m. headed to Smith Family Park, uh, the Arise USA Tour in Far West, Utah. Love to see you there. I'll be there. Uh, Richard Mack will be there, many others. Hopefully Dr. Scott Bradley and Lowell Nelson and as many people can go as will be there as well. It's going to be a great event. So beware of that. That happens tonight. It's free. We'd love to see you there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about New Hampshire ratifies U.S. Constitution. Today, that's June 21st, but back in 1788, wonderful time. We should always ask ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, whenever we hear something from bureaucrats at all levels of government, whenever government brings up any topic, here's the question that should be first on your mind. By the way, I got this from the 10th Amendment Center. I don't agree with them on everything, but I agree with them on a lot of things. But here's the point. We should always ask ourselves, is this authorized by the Constitution? Doctor, that's really what we ought to be asking ourselves all the time right now, huh? Well, in, in your uh, little news break there, I mean, here we had this nearly $4 trillion, holy cow, um, uh, infrastructure, so-called thing that has a minimal thing on infrastructure and a whole bunch of other goody things in the goody boxes. But but the, the question may be, okay, let's go to the Constitution. Look at, let's look at Article 1, Section 8. Oh, my goodness, post roads. That's the only thing that can be done. But, you know, they've, they've had all sorts of shenanigans, like, for example, back in the Eisenhower era, because, you know, he'd been in Germany. You, you maybe heard about that after World War II. But at any rate, he loved the German Autobahn. And so he decided, oh, we're going to build a freeway system all across America, <clears throat> and we're going to federally fund it. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is, there is no authorization for that. So what did he say? <gasps> We're going to have to do this for national defense. We need to, just in case our airplanes, our big military airplanes, need to land someplace, we need all these straight, long, uh, paved areas that they can put their plane down. And, and, you know, we need at least one mile every time to put these big strategic bombers down, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to cover this out of a defense perspective. So they put a spin on it, hold their mouth just right, and they do it the way they want to. But in fact, a plain English reading of what is said in the United States Constitution would indicate, no, they're, they're off their rocker on this thing. And so you're right. We need to ask ourselves every time something comes up, is this? Is this constitutionally authorized? Now, but just for a second, you mentioned the Tenth Amendment people, and you mentioned that you're not in full conformance to their doctrine, and, and I concur with you on that wholeheartedly, because they believe that anything that is not prohibited the states, based upon the Tenth Amendment, they can do whatever they darn well please. Now, they yeah, say so to the people, states, well, for, In their mind, the states could jettison the Second Amendment because it doesn't hold sway over the states, would be their kind of view. See, I disagree exactly. with that. Absolutely. And, and ask yourself, I mean, the stupidity of this, and it is bizarrely, insanely stupid, would would violate the, the premise of, of the Declaration of Independence. But, and as we mentioned earlier, before the, the news break, you know, that, that they're endowed, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. And mentions a few, as I as I said, and and, and then states, it says it's state, the, the point is states can't take away those rights. Neither can counties. Neither can cities. Neither can any other government entity. It's a God-given, unalienable or inalienable right. 
it can't be taken away. So not only do we got to ask ourselves, is this authorized by the Constitution? We also got to say, is this codified and protected in the Constitution? Can the Constitution be used uh, as a safeguard to protect us? Uh, and that's from states just as much as federal government. Everybody believes if we just turn everything back to the states, the world would be great. I don't agree. Government at all levels can be disaster. The states are the most, were the most abusive uh, under COVID, more so than the federal government or the general government by far. So beware which poison you pick is the point. Brothers and sisters, Dr. Bradley. I'll I'll give you an example. This happened a few years ago in Utah, and it's still code in Utah, and it's a bizarre, stupid law. But what happened now, Utah, uh, and and we could get into why Utah and all the western states are second-class citizens because they were admitted with the general government withholding access to their lands and keeping control of it at the general government level. That uh, lands are... The, the source of, of wealth. And, and so what, what happens is that if, you're, if you have it withheld from the states and the people, there's, you can't reach your full potential. You know, timber, water, minerals, whatever, agriculture, everything comes from the land that is true wealth. And so anyway, the, the general government has withheld, Nevada, it's over 80% uh, of their land. Utah, it's over two thirds of the land mass. But what happened, the Utah legislature really blew it. What they did is they wrote a bill that says if we can ever wrangle this, uh, so the the federal lands, they call it, were to uh, be let loose of, they could come back, it would be held by the state of Utah. Well, the state of Utah would become the sole pur- purpose and holder of these lands. They, instead of the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, it would be the DLM, the Division of Land Management. It's a mini-me kind of thing. And, and remember, the definition of socialism is government ownership or control of the means of production and distribution. The lands are the means of production and distribution. So in perpetuity, this law in Utah would take control from the feds, if you will, and put it in the state hands, and the states would therefore become mini-me, federal government. They're controlling the means of production and distribution. They, and in addition to that, uh, the, the 47th Federalist Paper by Madison would be in full violation because they would create laws on those lands. They would enforce the laws on those lands, and they would adjudicate those laws on those lands. And it would be held in perpetuity by the state. Again, it's what's the difference? The the government, you know, you could say, oh, the state ownership of. Well, it's a state of Utah, the state of the United States. It's the same thing. And so, so what's happening is that the people are trading one poison for another, but they're not going to be benefited by this and have full liberty restored, and consequently will be as bad a case. And, they, and boy, I've had debates with legislators and stuff. They say, well, wouldn't you rather have it run closer to home than far away? I don't know. Would you rather have a tyrant in your home, like a bad husband or father, or would you rather have somebody that lives in another state that's a tyrant in his home? And the what idea I'd rather is do you is use the checks and balances and God-given inalienable rights for the American people to be self-governed enough to demand and insist on the checks and balances to chain government down to their proper role. That's what I'd prefer. I think both of them are Hegelian dialectic lie. I want neither. Thank you very much. I'll choose choice C, sir. Well, absolutely. That's the problem. You talk about that Hegelian dialectical process. They give you choices A, B, C, D. Well, would you rather be hanged to death or shot to death or stabbed to death or dragged behind a truck to death? 
The answer is D, none of the above, okay? They don't give you the correct choices. They don't give you an option that has a correct answer. And so that's what happens all too often when we get people that, first of all, don't understand or won't understand. I don't know if they're evil, they're deceived, or they're ignorant. I don't, I don't know. I can't judge I, that. They're ignorant and deceived both is the problem for most. There's a few evil uh, ones there, but most aren't. They're just deceived, and they're just not able to, to think through it. They're always kind of pursuing some other agenda. Unbeknownst to them, they're being undermined at the very core. Um, but, ladies and gentlemen, let's finish up this consent of the governed discussion, Dr. Bradley. And then at the start of the final segment, I want to bring up a story or two to highlight uh, the points that we're making here today on this incredible anniversary where New Hampshire became the ninth state to ratify the United States Constitution. June 21st, 1788. To me, it's sacred. To me, it's something to really uh, celebrate um, and to move everyone in the country to understand we just need to return to those principles, ladies and gentlemen. We do. All right, let's finish on the consent of the governed issue because people believe they can just individually opt out, uh, creating kind of an anarchist state or, or suggestion that it's an individual discussion. I don't think that it is, doctor. Well, you're absolutely correct. And, and by the way, let's carry that consent of the governed to its next step. I mean, here we have, you know, we're, we're to the 233rd anniversary of the Constitution being ratified. Okay, fine. Okay, now we come forward to the states. And, and this, again, addresses the uh, 10th Amendment people. The consent of the governed, let's take the state of Utah. In back, we, we ratified our Constitution. And it, it has, it has, if you read uh, the first article, a restatement of the Bill of Rights, you know, the, the right to keep and bear arms. In fact, it has stuff in there the Bill of Rights doesn't have in the United States Constitution because the idea of protecting and preserving private property is something that the states have got to absolutely step on to, up to do. That's in violation of the DLM. But at any rate, the right to private property, and we ratified the Constitution that protects those, and everybody's got to keep their actions within those bounds also. So, yeah, it's not an individual thing. It's, a, it's a, a thing that the states do it too. We the people, if you will. Dr. Bradley returns in seconds for the final segment. I want to talk about the Supreme Court on your radio. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Understand the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen, should be the political religion of our nation, if you will. Okay, I'm just telling you right now, the checks and balances make it the greatest grand old experiment tried and successful in history to preserve freedom for the inhabitants who live within its jurisdictions. Ladies and gentlemen, we should always ask ourselves, is this authorized by the Constitution? We should also ask ourselves, hey, can the states violate the Constitution? The answer is no. Usually the state constitutions, to a great degree, support and in greater detail protect the God-given inalienable rights that we're discussing. But the consent of the governed is something that you need to understand. Um, that You know what? If you live in the jurisdiction of the supreme law of the land, um, you gotta, uh, you got to obey those guidelines in the Constitution. All right? That is the supreme law. Uh, of our land and I know some would say well I don't agree to that I never did I was born into it I couldn't change it I understand you can leave but what you can't do is individually uh, supersede it because if you say that I have the right to individually supersede it then you can create an anarchy situation a mob rule because what if me and a hundred or thousand of my buddies decide that hey doesn't apply to us can we then create a war and conquer see at some point there's a vacuum of power that if it's not filled by something it will be filled by a greater force uh, and it, we need to be very careful to understand these principles well here's what happened the supreme court literally has dodged obamacare three times now congress won't solve it the courts won't solve it they're literally forcing on the people socialism supreme court quote uses technicality to rescue obamacare and it won't decide the legitimacy of the individual mandate overstanding. Bob Unruh, WND.com with a piece. So what he said was, hey, they don't have standing. And the reason they don't have standing is because uh, Donald Trump made the amount forced to zero. Therefore, it doesn't really apply. Therefore, there's no standing. Therefore, we're not going to answer or deal with the broader question. Leaving it in the hands of Congress to supposedly solve. The Republicans in Congress promised us they would jettison it if they got the chance. They lied. They voted over 40 times when they knew they couldn't get it passed to make you believe they were for it. But when push comes to shove, they did not stand tall. They left the law in place. Donald Trump tried to gut it by making it zero, but the mandate dollars zero. 
But now they're using the Supreme Court, using that against Donald Trump, saying, well, if it's zero, it doesn't apply. But what stops Biden from making the number above zero? Nothing. And then will it apply? Well, we've already ruled on that. We're not going to discuss it again. So they've created a no-win situation. It's kind of like the IRS, Dr. Bradley, where the courts won't deal with the IRS, the Congress won't deal with the IRS, but yet they're still here to abuse us all. Um, They're passing these things by hook and by crook and manipulating us into a socialist utopia against the will of the people. And the only way that I know that this can be resolved is to return to the Constitution, to use the checks and balances where states could say, you know what, we're nullifying this does not apply in my state. But since the states are on the dole, that's a very uh, long-haul discussion uh, as well. So I submit to you that uh, what we need to do is get the states off the dole, and we need to return to honest money. Or else with their dishonest money, they can rule nations and manipulate us uh, into uh, compliance. And I don't know how much we can do to stop it. But anyway, there's the technicality in the Supreme Court, Doctor. Here's the deal. We have a bunch of attorneys in the Supreme Court. A bunch of attorneys in the Congress. And oftentimes an attorney in the Oval Office. But the fact of the matter is that they use weasel words. They're trained for that ministry, this priestcraft, if you will, where they worship the the use of words in order to manipulate into certain things. And they're using weasel words. In this particular instance, they're using weasel words to say, oh, 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 <laughs> you didn't hold your mouth just right. Well, you asked this question, so we're not going to answer it. And so it's like the Sadducees and the Pharisees back in Christ's time, they were, they were trying to manipulate and construct a, a a circumstance that would be in their favor. And that's exactly what the Supreme Court has always done. When Judge Roberts and his court ruled on this Obamacare thing in the first place, they used weasel words. Basically, if you look at Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, it says that Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes. Oh, there you have it, said Roberts. We can lay and collect taxes. You know, the fact is that that is not a universal, a universal granting of power. Basically, what it is, is says you can lay and collect taxes. To Hold on, because if it is, they can take 100% of your income and say that's what we need for the government. We'll just write you a check, doctor. Well, and that, that's absolutely what they're doing already. I mean, think about this for a second. We can lay and collect taxes for highways, infrastructure, for, for health care, for you name whatever you want to redistribute wealth around the nation for any purpose whatsoever. And, and the intent is that your the founding fathers put into this constitution is they have the power to lay and collect taxes to carry out the responsibilities that are delegated to them you will search in vain for anything that says oh yeah this healthcare thing yep it's in there mm-hmm. or these infrastructure thing yep they're in there no they're not and so this weasel wording of robert's court is just a phenomenal disappointment to me of people that say, oh yeah, they're conservative. No, they're not. They're liars. And these people will manipulate whatever they want and however they can, and that's what attorneys do best. They're trained in that ministry. But that's where we are so right isn't it now, comical? Folks, is... Isn't it comical that, that Donald Trump puts these Supreme Court justices in there, supposedly changing power, but yet they use the technicality to say there's no standing. Why? Because Donald made the number zero, and if it's zero, it doesn't matter, and, and, and they literally mock Trump as they sit in their robes right now, doctor. Well, that's that's the problem is that um, they are just simply there manipulating and they're trying. It's like the dreadful Scott decision. 
you know, this 1857 decision where Dred Scott, and, and without going into a whole bunch of detail, we don't have time, but he was a black man that had been uh, a slave and he'd been carried into free states and he was saying, I'm a free man now. I, I haven't lived on, I don't live where there's slavery. Anyway, the Supreme Court ruled that black people can't be citizens. Well, well wait, 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 wait. It, it's astounding to me that they'll come up with any decision they want. Buchanan wanted this decision. It was kind of like, we're going to solve this forever and forever. Well, that's what they do every time they meet. And that's their reason words. And, and I'm just sick and tired of it. I'm sure most people are too. But the fact of the matter is, the uh, the Constitution does not authorize Obamacare or not, probably 80 to 90% of the stuff they're spending money on anyway. But they've decided, based upon, well, the Butler case was one of them back in 1936, back in the uh, uh, FDR days, where they said that they, they'll do the general welfare. And in, in the uh, preamble, it talks about promote the general welfare. Well, if you look at the je definition of general welfare, it has nothing whatsoever to do with redistributing wealth. It has everything to do with good government, uh, a predictable, uh, stable government. That's what the general welfare is. And the predictable, safe, stable government but unless, does unless not the people are educated them. and stand against their lies, though, hey, we can't stop it. We need to use checks and balances to throw the bums out who interpret it that way and find people who understand the supreme law of the land. Two stories before we end the hour, Dr. Bradley. In USA Today right now says long shot effort seeks to move 21 counties from Oregon to Idaho. They say the greater Idaho movement faces a daunting task. Its proposal requires the approval of both the Oregon and the Idaho legislatures and Congress to make this happen. Your response? Well, absolutely. It's an absolutely long shot, but there are some people that are longing for freedom. Oregon is, is at the general government level there where the uh, they all of their power their voting power is in the large metropolitan areas, which are socialistic to the core. And so the people that are out in the rural areas are chafing under that. And it is a long shot because it will take that. And, and if you read Article 4, Section 3, so uh, it says there, nor any state be formed by the junction of two or more states or parts of states without the consent of the legislatures of the states concerned as well as of the Congress. So, so yes, constitutionally it will take... Idaho and Oregon's legislature and the United States Congress. Very little chance of that happening, although it, it, it does have, it's more acceptable to Idaho. The general government, they might say, you know, uh, we, uh, boy, those Republicans won't get two more senators out of this. So maybe we could do this. It's the Oregon people that know that they're going to starve to death at the end of the vine without a, a uh, you know, reasonable economic basis. So the Oregon is probably going to be the least likely to do it. But, but yeah, constitutionally, Article 4, Section 3 requires that both legislatures and the uh, national general government. Do you support the uh, effort, doctor? I would love to see it. I, yeah, I would love to see. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I mean, I'll make a general worldwide prediction that as people become more and more disgruntled about the horrific draconian things that have been exercised upon them and and it's come to a kind of a head it's not done yet i think we haven't seen nothing yet by the way on the covid bizarre pandemic but i i think that as people become more and more and more fed up sick and tired of being sick and tired 
you're going to see more and more governments get um, the, the leadership will be changed out. Now, you read about what's happening in Sweden right now, or you heard about that on the news. You heard about what happened in, in Israel with Netanyahu. I think that there will be a general review of people that have the ability. They will do it peaceably if they can. But I suspect that what's happening is people are being pushed up against the wall in so many places. And in Oregon, it happens to be right now where there's some of the counties are saying, we're done with this. We don't want to have Portland hung around our neck. I mean, I was in Portland here about a month ago. It looks like Beirut or, I mean, well, what Beirut used to look like back in the 80s. I, it it was in it was like uh, the Gaza Strip. I mean, it looked like oh, a, you're talking a like Miami, camp. third world kind of status stuff. It's crazy town. Yeah. It's insanity. I'm telling you, I support the effort, ladies and gentlemen. I know it'll be a long haul, but I understand the people are trying to uh, to uh, assert their independence. I commend them for it. I hope it's peaceful. And I will say this though: without God, though, they're not going to make it. We need to make this a godless. I mean, I'm sorry, a God fearing, not bloodless. a godless. Uh, we need to make it a bloodless, God-fearing idea. And if we turn to God Almighty and our hearts are humble and right before him, I think there'll be success there to assert their independence. If they don't directly put God at the center of it, I'm predicting that it'll be nothing but disaster uh, for the people. I want to end with a question. You know, they've been locking us down over the COVID now, and I think they realize the cat's out of the bag on that. They're not going to be able to lock us down too much more on COVID, even if outbreaks happen here or there. Next, they're going to push for climate change discussions. Do you think the climate change lockdowns are coming soon, doctor? No. Uh, I think the people are going to say, the heck you say. Uh, I, I mean, I, I believe that there's going to be effort in that direction. But I, I must tell you, though, that the, the big media tech places, I, I personally am under attack. Uh, I'm in danger of being completely deplatformed forever because of the things that I've been saying in regards to the draconian efforts that are being made currently. And I'm looking for another platforming methodology to get the message out. But, but I am under attack. I don't meet community standards, you might know, Sam. <laughs> of course not. Ladies and gentlemen, we the people haven't been engaged. We've let everybody else, all the liberals, build our platforms. We've failed. I've been trying to build platforms for 20 years. People don't listen to me. Maybe they'll start, huh? Thanks for being alongside for the ride. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Uh, Join us tonight at Liberty Hall and at Smith's Family Park in Far West, Utah. 4 p.m., Liberty Hall, 6 p.m., the park. It's free. Be there. I will. Hope you're there as well. God save the republic.